welcome to this week's NL Full Time. It, it was the final weekend of the regular season in the National League. And we have got the full quota of bodies here this week. I'm Luke Edwards and joining us we have Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi. Just made it. Really didn't want to miss this one. Uh, great guest as well. It was just uh, Rob was just towing himself down, ready in anticipation. It was good to see. He's, uh, he's ready to go. As is, uh, as is Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi chaps. Thanks for having me on again. Um, my my last one as a, a national league sort of uh, viewpoint, uh, given that I'll be giving a, a national league south viewpoint next season. But uh, yeah, really enjoy being back on. Yeah, we'll get the violins out for Joe later on. Um, a man who's been probably that gift that you see on Twitter, where there's a, a man and there's loads of calculations going around his head. Uh, he's certainly been doing that. This weekend is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Yeah, good afternoon. Um, yeah, I will get on to it shortly, but a, a completely crazy afternoon in the National League North uh, to review. But so exciting. Yeah, I mean, it, it made... And typically, I was at the one game, or one of the very few games, where there was absolutely nothing riding on it. And our special guest this week, it is BT Sports National League Pundit. It is AMAC, Aaron McLean. Hi, Aaron. How are you guys? Are you okay? Very well, thank you. And uh, we're going to, as I say, swap it up a little bit this week. We're going to start with the National League North because it's it was, well, we'll start at the top, Dickie. File the champions. We, we, if you heard our midweek pod, of course, they won away at Curzon Action, which put them in the hot seat. They then won 2-0 away at Bradford Park Avenue. Kingsland also won at home to Curzon. And a bit like in the National League, Dickie, Kingsland ended up second with over 90 points. Yeah, it's been a really close um, race. It was the only title that wasn't decided before yesterday, but Foyle did emerge triumphant in the end. Um, it, 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 at one point, they were level on points with Kingsland. Kingsland did take the lead in their game, and, and it was still 0-0 at Bradford Park Avenue. So they were level on points, just goal difference separating them at that point. Um, but yeah, then Fylde then did take the lead. Nick Horton, um, he's always the man for Fylde, isn't he? I think that's cemented his place as the league's top scorer for the season as well. He put them one up. Um, at that point, it didn't really matter what Kings Lynn did from there because Fylde just had to hold their lead. They extended it. Joe Rowley got their second goal. Um, and we have to uh, you know, congratulate them on winning the title, but withstanding that pressure as well. You know, they, it was still um, they've they've had some wobbles at time, but the runner form they've put together over the last couple of months and the effect Adam Murray's had that he since he's come into the club as manager, um, absolutely terrific. Um, they they win the league by a couple of points, and it's it's fully deserved. I mean, they they've got some. Um, Preparations to do ahead of a season in the National League now. Nick Horton, I've just mentioned him. He is out of contract in the summer. So um, you'd think if they'd perhaps stayed at National League North level for another season, he might have moved on. But if they're going to be in the National League, you'd think that would be a big inducement for, to, to him to want to stay. Um, so, yeah, they've got lots to look forward to. Very hard look on Kingsley, and they did push them all the way. Um, and they looked out of it at one point, but they, they just... W- wouldn't be shaken off, but yeah, ultimately Fylde got the job done. And ultimately it was that result that Fylde got at Kingsland about a month or so ago that won them the title. Um, we're going to start with the craziness then, Dickie. We're going to start down at the bottom because it's slightly less crazy than the, the playoff picture was. I mean, Bradford actually had an outside chance of staying up. They beat Alfredson in midweek 3-0. 
Uh, it was only an outside chance. The favourites to stay up with were Kettering and Farsley, Blyther in the last playoff play, in the last relegation play going into Saturday. Um, Dickie, take it away. How did it all unfold? Well, Blythe ent- actually ended up surviving, um, and they did so by virtue of recording a 5 0 win over Hereford. Um, obviously, the three points helped greatly. They, 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 the improvement to their goal difference could have been important. Proved not to be important in the end. Um, but yeah, some slightly strange circumstances around that one as well. Six o'clock yesterday evening, Hereford released their um, retained list, which you'd have to imagine that the players on that list knew who was staying and who was going. Um, and, and you wonder whether that might have contributed. It's the longest trip that you can make in the league, I think, from Hereford to Blythe. Some of those players knew they weren't going to be retained. You know, how much of an effort did they put in? Um, and Blythe took full advantage, whether they did or not. You know, it, it, they took the lead through Michael Spellman, uh, goal for Kerr, uh, Cedric May, and then I always get him confused. Nicky Devigdich with a penalty, JJ O'Donnell, and then rounded off by Jaden Ferguson. Hereford even had Luke Haynes sent off as well. He's one of the ones they're not going to be retaining. Um, so they managed to pull that out of the fire. And what that meant was that Kettering dropped in. Kettering were away to Kidminster Harriers, um, who've been on a tremendous run of form of late. Uh, they were trying to make a late run to the into the playoffs. And Kidderminster beat Kettering 3-0, three second-half goals, Joe Folks, Joe Leesley um, and Ashley Hemmings. And unfortunately, that dropped Kettering into the relegation places. And that's where they stayed. Farsley Celtic kept their head above water, even though they went down to a 2-1 defeat to Spennymoor. Spennymoor led in that game. Um, obviously, um, we're in, in the you know ahead at 90 minutes, but when, at one point, Spennymoor were actually in the playoffs for the fact that they were in the lead against Farsley Celtic, but ended up dropping out. So um, yeah, it's it's Kettering, unfortunately, who've who've uh, finished in the bottom four. Bradford Park Avenue, they did have an opportunity to stay up, um, but they needed to both win and get some other results to go their way. And they were up against the champions elect in Fylde. And yeah, as as tremendous as their 3-0 win over Alfton was in the week to keep it going until the last weekend, they just weren't able to do it um, uh, for a second game in a row. And, and Bradford Park Avenue will return to the Northern Premier League next season. Why? It was their first win over Hereford ever in the National League North. And Aaron, I just want to ask you from a player's point of view then, as Dickie said there, if, if they've been told they've been releasing and you've got a long trip like that, you wouldn't have the motivation probably, would you? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you know you're going to be released straight after the game and you now need to find a new club, you know, first of all, you don't want to go and get injured and, and risk not being able to, you know, come pre-season, go to try and find another club. So, and play, listen, no club wants to sign a player that's that's injured. So, yeah, it's, I think the writing was definitely on the wall there. Once once the players know, and, and listen, rightly so, the players should know, you know, they should know what they're, what they're letting themselves into. I think by now, if players don't know whether or not they're going to be kept on by clubs, then there's something wrong. So, you know, the two things combined are never going to end well. Right, Dickie, let's get on to the playoff picture. Now, I hope we've all got your pens and papers ready and keeping up with this. <laughs> but, uh, right. Yes, I so... will be asking questions like the observation round. This is going to be on Krypton Factor. <laughs> so, Dickie, let's go back to 2.59pm then. 
oh, when everything was normal and everything was calm, you know, <laughs> it clearly wasn't calm. Everybody's nerves would have been jangling at one minute to three. Um, but yeah, um, I'll start with Scarborough because Scarborough started the day in the playoff places but actually ended the day outside of them. Now, they took the lead in their game against Banbury. They, they scored the first goal of the day. Kieran Waleji had them ahead after 12 minutes. And at that point, they'd actually proved, improved their position from sixth in the table to fourth. So they'd, all of a sudden, they were now looking at a home uh, playoff eliminator tie. Um, but then things started to go wrong. Alex Babos equalised for Banbury, and then Henry Landers put Banbury ahead before the interval. It got worse for Scarborough. Aidan Elliott Wheeler scored after 61 minutes, so they were 3 1 down. They did get back to level terms. Will Wells scored in the 90th minute and then Lewis Maloney, who's been a a really important player for them this season, he was at the level below and he stepped up. He equalised in the first minute of injury time to end that game at 3-3. But as it turned out, the point that Scarborough from that one got from that one wasn't enough. Um, Brackley and Alfreton, they were in fourth and fifth positions going into the day um, and they remained in fourth and fifth positions going into the day. They were level on goal difference as well. It was just by virtue of the fact that Brackley had scored three goals more over the course of the season that they were fourth. Their game finished, unsurprisingly, 1-1. Can't separate those two sides. Um, there was a penalty from Alfie Bates for Brackley in that one, but Ahmed Salam um, put um, Alfreton level just before half time. And that one stayed as it was. So eventually they ended up taking fourth and fifth positions. Now, the sixth and seventh positions have ended up being filled by Gloucester and by Kidderminster. I mentioned Kidderminster before. Um, They did their job by getting a 3-0 win over Kettering, um, just fulfilled their end of the bargain. They had to then wait and see what happened to other teams. We know that Scarborough dropped out. Um, Gloucester City were outside of the playoffs as well. Um, They started well. They were a goal up through... um, uh, Dara Dada in the 29th minute, but they then proceeded to fall 3-1 behind to Chorley um, partway through the second half. Mocker Russ scored, Mike Calverley, Billy Whitehouse, Chorley 3-1 up, and at that point, Chorley were in fourth position in the playoffs. But Gloucester, um, a familiar name, and, and this one really took me by surprise. I know he's been on the bench for them a little bit lately, but hasn't been getting much game time. But Matthew Barnes-Homer, there's a name um, that will ring a lot of bells in non-league circles. I don't know whether he came on as a substitute or whether he'd started, but he scored twice in the 74th and 87th minutes to bring Gloucester level and then in the third minute of injury time, Topi Odebayi scored, and that made it 4-3. Gloucester were into the playoffs. Chorley were out. And there we have it, because Chester obviously won 4-0, so they stayed third. They secured their playoff place. But getting Mr. Dickey, I mean, we would say, about a month ago, we were saying, well, they're in mid-table, but they should stick with Russ Penn, bit of credit. All of a sudden... They're in the playoffs and <laughs> it's looking rosy for him again. Yes, potentially so. I mean, they're, they're almost in the position. I was speaking to um, Christian James, uh, uh, contributes to this podcast as well, when I was at Boston yesterday. And he was talking about um, Boston got into the playoffs very, very late last season and then went through them almost as if there was 
there was nothing to lose. They had to go away to Kidderminster. Then they had to go away to Foyle. They won both of those games and found themselves in the final because they'd been playing with that bit of desperation. They didn't have anything to lose. Kidderminster Harriers might well now find themselves roles reversed. They're in that position that all season long, they've been pretty much out of the playoffs. And on the last day, they've got in. And now you look at it and go, well, what have they got to lose? Why don't they just go for it? Um, They're away to Alfreton on Tuesday evening. I think it's the first of the Eliminator games. I'm hoping very much to be there. Um, And yeah, we'll see what transpires. You mentioned Chester there. What I didn't talk about, and that was the other club that was in the playoff positions when the day started, which was Buxton. Buxton were in seventh place when the day started, but they lost 4-0 to Chester. And the combination of wins elsewhere and the reversing goal difference and and not picking up anything meant that Buxton dropped out. Um, It just absolutely chaotic. I suppose what you would say in terms of the, the, the playoffs, um, uh, Brackley will face Gloucester on Wednesday. That's the other tie. What you would say with those is it, it's literally taken until the last day of the season to sort this out from positions four down to seven. Um, and you would have to say with, with Kingsland have got to get over their disappointment of not winning the title, but you know, second, they've got a home tie. Chester have been steady, locked in third place for a long time now. Everybody else has kind of been scrambling around. It's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. I mean, will the teams that have been in second and third, um, the, will the home advantage count? Will the fact that they've known they're going to be in the playoffs count? Um, will the teams that have qualified from fourth through to seventh, will they still have that bit of desperation about them? You know, is it is it going to uh, swing in their favour? I really just don't know. I mean, it's just been a, an absolutely crazy end to the season. Stress, can you imagine the stress of it of being a fan. Uh, did you keep up with all of that, Aaron? By the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I did my best. It sounded absolutely chaotic, but it sounded like for the neutral, which I'm sure there, there wasn't many neutrals. I'm sure everyone was assigned to their own team. But yeah, you know, for for anyone that's not involved in that, it was amazing to watch it unfold. But yeah, to to be involved in it and to be in it and then out of it. If you finish inside it at the end of it, brilliant, amazing day. If you just miss out, then it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, just a couple of quick points. I mean, never just ask Scarborough, just ask Chorley was the saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I mean, in Chorley's case, in the game and in Scarborough's place across the whole season. But one little point of note, an achievement, a first, on Saturday, Steve King in managing Gloucester to that comeback from 3-1 down to win 4-3 and make the playoffs. He becomes the first manager to take um, sides from the National League North and the National League South to the playoffs. Excellent start there. Excellent start. <laughs> Enjoyed that. You have to, yeah, you did have to feel for Scarborough yesterday. I think they have been in the playoff position pretty much all season long since the early weeks. They've started well, um, but, you know, as Rob said, I saw them last week at Telford and that that you just had a sense about them. They were almost a bit like that marathon runner who can see the line in front of them, but he's staggering and he's wobbling and you're thinking, you know, somebody get in there and give them a hand, help them get to the line. Um, And yeah, ultimately that's how it's it's proven to be. They've just come up short, but a tremendous season for Jonathan Greening's team really I think I did read through some of the comments on their on their Twitter feed um, and mostly the Scarborough fans as 
gutted as they were by the result, were very, very proud of the way their team had performed. They were actually tipped to be relegated by a lot of uh, people. I think Rob said that three of the four of us who do this podcast tipped them to go down. So to finish where they are, they've defied expectations. Um, yeah, now they've just got to come back and do it all over again next season, probably with that pressure that they're not going to be an unknown quantity anymore. I'm looking at the results. I think there's only three games that didn't really have anything riding on it. Leamington already relegated against Southport. It would have needed a massive goal swing for them to go down. Uh, finished Leamington 2, Southport 1. Darlington, they had a chance of getting in the playoffs, but alas, again, results didn't go for them. They won 1-0 away at Peterborough Sports. And Dickey, of course, Boston against Telford. I suppose uh, you, you were just concentrating more on what was happening elsewhere than what was happening at Boston on Saturday. Well, I, I was still trying to do um, my, my job as regards keeping Telford fans up to, to speed with what was going on, but you, you really couldn't take your eyes off what was going on elsewhere. I, I'm quite pleased um, in, in some senses that, you know, it, it, there wasn't anything riding on the Telford game, clearly. Um, I, would, I would much rather have been in a position where there was that we'd had a chance of getting out of trouble. Um, but it did allow me to sort of be a neutral for the day and, and just look at what was going on. Um, and I say that the, the fact that Spennymore came from nowhere and we're in and then, and then we're out, you know, the, the biggest non-league hokey-cokey you've ever seen, but yeah, incredible. I think then actually is it such a hokey-cokey the way you were taking in out, in out everything. Um, as Aaron's here, then let's move on and look at the national league. And in the National League, it was probably actually out of three divisions that we cover, it's probably the, the, <laughs> the least dramatic <laughs> in terms of the three, really. Just sort of placing in playoffs to, uh, to decide and also uh, down at the bottom. We'll, we'll get it out of the way, Joe. Starkey, it looked like the great escape was on against Wrexham. They were 1-0 up. Maidenhead were getting thumped at Gateshead. Ultimately, that's what happened. Maidenhead lost, but Starkey couldn't quite get that. That goal swing or the victory in the end, Wrexham equalised late, late on. But for a while, Joe, you did have a bit of hope and you actually said we're going to go down on goal difference here. Yeah, it looked like that. Um, it looked like we were. Um, you know, in the end, we, we fell short um, against, uh, you know, the, the champions. Um, at 1-0, the commentator did say they've just got to make sure they don't lose it at the very least. Um, and, you know... The fact that we pushed forward, we gave so much space to a very, very good Wrexham side who, you know, got their goal on the break. Um, and yeah, n- not to be, you know, I've resigned myself to it for months. So I didn't have any hope really going into the final day. Um, and I actually felt that Maidenhead are the sort of team, um, even though Gateshead are in good form, I thought Maidenhead are the sort of side under Alan Devature that would go to Gateshead basically make sure that they just kept it to a one or two nil defeat and come home happy. Um, so I didn't anticipate them winning four nil, uh, losing four nil. Um, but yeah, first half we played well, Frank Nubel getting the goal, um, couldn't quite keep us up in the end. Um, and then yeah, a draw. So back to the national league South, I did put my little clip in the, uh, the WhatsApp saying after the disappointment of having our relegation rubber stamped, um, we had the further disappointment, or certainly to me, um, that Gary Johnson's extension of his contract's been rubber stamped as well. So we've got that joy for next season as well. So all in all, a pretty poor day um, on the whole. 
your quote, Joe, was that you um you were kind of back to where you started when Gary Johnson took over because of course he took over when you're in National League South. Aaron, what do you make of it all? Obviously, talking, you looked dead and buried. You gave it a really good go. Um, Joe's not happy with Gary Johnson. He's staying on. What do you make of it? Well, I think talking were unlucky. You know, I think if they'd have because they went on a tremendous run. Obviously, when Frank Newbell came in, and they all of a sudden started winning games and it, it almost looked like they could they could get out of it. But um, I think it was just too little too late. Unfortunately, they just ran out of games. And, and you know, I think in the final day, it was playing against Wrexham. The chances of, of beating Wrexham, even though they've already, you know, been, been promoted and already won the, won the league, it's still going to be difficult. Wrexham are just... A well-oiled machine, and and they take some shifting, don't they, Aaron? They do take some shifting. <laughs> clearly, clearly, they take some shifting because they can't be shifted. They can't <laughs> be shifted. But listen, I thought they gave it. It was a valiant effort from from Torquay. Um, in terms of the manager staying, I can understand it. You know, he brought them. He brought them up. So, who better to to stay at the, on the reins with? With uh, National League South on the horizon, then the man is already is already got you promoted from there. Now, I can understand it from a, a fan's point of view. You know, probably not happy with with the football over the last couple of years, and but I can I can totally understand why why they've opted to to stay with Gary Johnson. He's had plenty of promotions. Um, I I played under Gary Johnson. He actually sold me, I think, to to Hull. So. He's lost. Um, but yeah, he's, listen, you know, love it, love him or hate him, his CV speaks for itself and, and he has got the know-how of, of how to win promotions. Yes, you have to, um, you know, see what he's done. You know, he, took, he got us out of the National League South. He, he took us to a playoff final in the National League. And yes, I don't want him to be the manager, but you still got to recognise that he has taken us in some respects forward. Um, but as I said, you know, in the group, he has taken us back to the very stage where he took over. Um, and he doesn't have the luxury this time of, you know, although there were concerns and criticisms of our previous manager before Gary Johnson, Gary Owers, Gary Owers put together a very, very good team of eight or nine EFL quality players. And Gary Johnson had the beneficiary of having a, a 40 goal a season striker in Jamie Reid. Um, so yes, he got us out of the league, but it was pretty much basic from from day one. It was a piece of cake, to be honest, with a team of EFL ready players playing in a largely part time league. He hasn't got that team to fall back on. He hasn't got a forty goal a season striker, and what it's going to need is going it's going to need proper recruitment. It's going to need a good tactician and a good coach. And unfortunately, in the two years last two years we've had, he's shown that he's fallen short in in all of those departments. Joe, I want to ask you as well, in terms of, I know you're not happy with Gary Johnson, but what's the feeling amongst the majority of the Torquay fan base? Is it a case of, well, I'm not renewing my season ticket because he's there, or a lot saying great news, he's going to get a straight back? Uh, very mixed. And I think uh, one of the Torquay fan pages actually put a, a vote up and said, do you want Gary Johnson to stay? And 51% said no, and 49% said yes. So I think they are very much split as well, um, given that, you know, people recognise the work he has done. 
But equally, they also see the last two years for what it is, in that the football isn't good, the recruitment's been poor, and we're back to where we started. So, yeah, I, I think people are, even those that don't want him there, have actually turned around and say, we have to just get behind him now because he's going to be there um, and we want to get promoted. So I think the overriding feeling is that they don't want him there, but we don't make that decision. Um, the club make that decision. And I actually don't think it's the club that makes a decision. I think Gary Johnson's got such a stranglehold on the first team in that if he wanted to leave, he would leave. And if he wanted to stay, he will stay. And that's ultimately the way it's gone. So I've just got to get behind him now and hope he can uh, find a couple more stars to get us out of the National League South. Can I just ask Joe a question? In, in terms of finances, what are the finances like at the club in comparison to, to teams around you? Because I've always found talking because of where you're situated, it's difficult to, to sign players. You know, I, I know a, a lot of players that, would definitely opt to go to clubs more, you know, in and around London or even up north, uh, stay up north, as opposed to travelling to, to Torquay because if they've got similar financial, you know, for example, a Maidenhead, say, for example, if they've got similar budgets, yes, Torquay as a club is a much bigger club, but they're London-based and they're not down in Torquay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a valid argument um, and it is a challenge. Um, and, you know, the fact we are sort of out of the way, um, it does make it difficult to sign players, hence why you've seen him have to look and try and bring in younger players, you know, the likes of Ali Omar that came in, Ross Marshall, you know, from further afield. They're young and you're not going to get experienced players moving down from up country to Torquay. Because A, we don't have the finances to support that. And B, it's not a very good catchment area. You know, those the, the experience he has brought in was basically the building blocks of his Cheltenham team. I think we virtually went through every single every single player from the Cheltenham title winning team uh, during his time here, bringing in Danny Wright, Billy Waters, Asa Hall, he's obviously got now. So, um, yeah, the finances aren't good. Um, and there is concern with the owner who... Is very, very distant um, and we are in a lot of debt. But I think that can be said with quite a few teams at this level. Um, the one thing I would say is I would look at the model that Gateshead have gone for. You know, Gateshead haven't got brilliant finances. You know, they haven't got a war chest to be out and go and sign people. But they have a model where they have a really good coach that gets the best out of young players. They play an attractive brand of football, which perhaps attracts better players they want to go and play good football um, and they also sign locally you know Gateshead have signed players that get released from Newcastle and Sunderland and around there and you know we've got two really good football league you know one team's just got promoted in Plymouth and yet we hardly use Plymouth at all you know we've got a really good club on our doorstep in Plymouth and Exeter and places like Bristol City and Bristol Rovers we don't use it enough but that's the role of a manager you know, people have moaned say he hasn't got a budget. That's why he's the manager, you know, because he's got to use his great contacts that I keep getting told he has, you know, brilliant contacts. You know, he'll find a gem. We'll go and find them then. And then when you find them, coach them properly. And, you know, that's the model we've got to go for. 
You feel better now, Joe. Now you've vented. Yeah, I've vented my frustrations. <laughs> I was going to say, hop up, hop up on Dr. McLean's couch and, you know, let it all out, mate. So enough about Torquay, Joe. Uh, we're going to move on and look at Maidenhead. And Rob, I'm going to start with you. You can discuss this with Aaron if you want. Maidenhead, you always say, do you know, they'll find a way to get out of it. They did just about, but boy, didn't they half sail close to the win this time? Yeah, they did. I mean, they always, that side that Dev will suddenly pick three wins up in a week and just pull them clear of trouble. And they've done that a few times this season. And I think they genuinely did think they'd got across the line. And then they just were all out of momentum at the end. And I, I feared for them on their result on Saturday. It was exactly what I thought. I thought it'd be two, three, four goal win for, for Gateshead who are prime right now under Mike Williamson and, and, and the players very, very highly motivated. They've, the shackles are off. They've, they've got themselves safe with a couple of weeks to go. They've got the FA Trophy to look forward to. Um, and, 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 well, it's the old dog and new tricks, really, isn't it, Aaron? I mean, he keeps finding a way, Dev, to keep Maidenhead in the National League. But I think it's only going to get tougher for them, isn't it? It is. It is going to get tougher. Um but you're spot on. They just, and it seems like at home, the big clubs go down there and they don't enjoy playing it. They don't enjoy the slope. They don't enjoy the conditions and the changing rooms and the hostile environment. And they don't really turn up. And Dev's just managed to, he's managed to continuously just keep them above the line. Last year they had um, Josh Kelly, who was just rattling goals for fun. And, keeping them up that way. This year, they've had to do it a little bit differently with them going to Solio, but they've still managed to do it. You know, I was down there covering the game against Wrexham and they just kept going and going and frustrating and in the end, forced forced an error from the goalkeeper, which got them, I think, the equaliser and, and took some points away from, from the champions. So, it keeps finding a way and they've managed to do it again. Will they be able to do it again next year? And they, Who knows? And the thing is, if you go back, I mean, I can think of a couple. I think there might be more, but you go back two or three seasons. Sam Barrett was on fire. He got a move higher. I know he's come back. Um, Josh Kelly had his great season. He got plucked by Solihull. And this year, probably, if anyone, it's been Emil Aqua, isn't it? 14, 15 goals. Got yeah. his England C call up. And again, you look at it and think, well, will someone come in for him? And is Dev going to have to unearth another little superstar next season just to stay up? But he seems to keep doing it. And that's that's the impressive thing. Obviously, we were talking about recruitment before. His recruitment seems to be is spot on because they, they're not blessed with, with the riches. You know, when you look at the division, they're not blessed with, with huge finances, but they do enough to be able to stay at this level and Yes, they've stayed in by the skin of their teeth. But at the end of the day, once this, once you get to the final day and that final whistle blows, if you're above that relegation line, you, they've done their job. And just to add, it's not just the players and the teams and the supporters that don't like going there. I Literally, it's my worst trip as a commentator <laughs> as well. I, I hate it. You know, York Road is York Road. They've got what they've got. You know, Grace there and the media team's lovely and accommodating and everything. But... Uh, yeah, fair play to them. They've they've done it again. We were all so wary, Aaron, when we do our pre-season predictions and we have to find four teams that we say that are going to go down. The temptation every year is to go with Maidenhead, but we, we kind of try and find four others, you know, because they're just so good at staying up. 
they are the team that seems to upset the big clubs at home. And whether it's because these these players are coming from their lovely all-seater stadiums and the lovely conditions, and then they come down, they go down to Maidenhead, and it is the total opposite. That is the that epitomizes what non-league football is. And a lot of these are they're spoiled. You know, the size of these clubs now, they're spoiled with what they've got. So going down and playing against the Maidenhead and Dev gets his teams up for it. He makes sure that they hustle and bustle and they fight for absolutely everything. And it tests the character. It tests the character of some of these bigger name players and, and bigger teams. And a lot of them come up short. So the playoff picture then, there was only BT Sport at Chesterfield because it was between Chesterfield and Woking really. So who finished in that third spot? Who avoid playing in the Eliminator. I always feel like it should be dramatic music for saying the Eliminator. But in the end, it was Chesterfield. You had the favourable fixture. They were playing already relegated Maidstone. And it was a 4-0 win for Chesterfield in the end. Maidstone have conceded 104 goals this season. It took until the second half for Chesterfield to score the four goals. But ultimately, they got their air and they started strong Chesterfield. Then they've had a wobble. Looked like they may well drop out of the playoffs. But now they are back in third and probably just about deserved in the end. Yeah, I think it was deserved in the end. I think what uh, Cookie done really well there is his recruitment. You know, bringing in Andrew Dallas, bringing in Paul McCallum. They've got real firepower there now, you know, uh, along with Mandeville's been excellent this season. You know, he's he's got his highest highest tally for his goal return for, for the season. Um, Dobra. And Dobra has been Dobra, outstanding yeah. player. So his recruitment's been really good, and they they always have that little period. I think it's around February time where they'll go and lose, you know, four or five games, and and you think, oh, here we go, Chesterfield are gone again. But then they they come back, and this year they, I think they've come back stronger. In in that game that we we covered on Saturday, first half I feel like they took it for granted that they were playing against a team that's already relegated and thought it was going to be easy and they didn't really turn up. Um, but second half, they were a different outfit. They went up two, three gears and, and blew Maidstone away. And in the end, it, it could have been it could have been more. But again, it was their big players. You know, Dallas, who is an outstanding player. You know, I think he, he can go and play in the Football League. He's now hit 20 goals again. You know, I think he hit 23, 24 last season. He's now got to that 20 mark again and he's going to be a dangerous player uh, in the playoffs. And the confidence of strikers again, Aaron, banged the goals in, didn't he, at Solihull consistently. Went to Chesterfield. That first goal wouldn't come for quite a few games and he missed yeah. a, a shocker. He missed a shocker in one game when he was still waiting for that first goal. But the minute he got his first goal, his second one came along 10, 15 minutes later in the same game. And since then, I don't know what he's... He, he must have got, what, six or seven in his last four games or something? Three, four, five, six. He's got six in his last four now. Yeah. So, outstanding. Outstanding, you know. He's, and he's a, he is a confidence player. You can tell just by watching him that when things are going well for him, he, he'll, he'll get your bags of goals. When it's not quite quite dropping and it wasn't quite dropping at the beginning when he first went there you could see the frustration you could see him snatching at things that you've seen him dispatch comfortably for for Solio 
But now that he's now that he's got his goals, and now that I think it it breeds confidence into you, and it breeds confidence into your teammates as well. Your teammates want to give you the ball in in difficult positions. They want to try and get you chances because they know what you can do. And he almost had to prove that to to his teammates to a degree. But now that he's done that, you know, I, I think that they should. I think they should sail sail through, not sail through, but I think that they should get through their their semi final, and then who knows from there. Yeah, interesting player final. Well, I say interesting as in terms of. At the start of the season, I don't think anyone would have predicted below Wrexham, Notts County, Chesterfield, that it'd be Woking, Barnet. I mean, possibly Bournemouth and Bromley in there, but in terms of the positions that they're in, I think people would have expected Bournemouth to maybe be a couple of places higher, same as Bromley. But your old club, Barnet, have had an outstanding season, haven't they? Could one of those upset the apple cart? I mean, ultimately, the favourites for the playoffs would be Notts County, but can one of those teams, barring Chesterfield, upset the apple cart, do you feel? They could. I think all of... All four of those, you know, Woking, Barnet, Bournemouth and Bromley are all very similar. You know, Bournemouth don't score a lot of goals, but they don't concede. They've got the best defence, defensive record in the division. All four of those, they're all different styles, but they're all very similar, you know, very similar teams. I went to Barnet's last pre-season and they beat Peterborough comfortably. And speaking to Dean Brennan afterwards, he said to me, we're going to upset people this year. We're going to, we'll be good this year. And it was a case of whether or not uh, Mason Clark was going to stay. That was going to obviously have a have a bearing. But they dealt with that. They dealt with that really, really well. He went on to Peterborough. They recruited really well. I don't think anyone could have predicted that Kabamba was going to have the season that he's had. Um, the signing of Idris Kanu. He asked me about Kanu, and I said, "Take, I'd take him in a heartbeat because I worked with him at Peterborough." And his, his application and his desire to want to play and work hard and improve is, is second to none. So, you know, he's, he's had players that have stepped up and really performed for him. And I think he's a, he's a um, as a manager, Dean Brennan, listen, he asks a lot of his players. You know, he's very, very demanding. But what he'll give you is he'll give you honesty. He'll give you ideas. He'll, he's not afraid to change things in game when it's not going right. And he's getting the best out of those players. Yeah, Harry Smith as well coming in has made a big difference. Real target man, real focal point up top, hasn't he? And uh, you're right about Idris Carney. What I really love about Idris, you know, having seen him breaking through into the men's game at 16 at Aldershot, um, he really excited the crowd then. He really got them off the edge of their seats. He, he looked amazing. He had these lovely skills. But do you know what? He was missing... And he was still missing when he went when he went to Peterborough. He was missing the goals and the assists. And and at Peterborough, and you'd have followed him closely, I'm sure, with his connections there with both of your former clubs. Um, he had to learn to play a different role, didn't he? And I think maybe that was because the the, the goals and the assists weren't there. He's adapted. He found that role, and and he's starting to find the goals and assists again now in a more forward position, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And he's, listen, he's still got a lot of work to to go. You know, I speak to him from time to time and he frustrates me at times because he plays wide, but I say to him, get in on the back post. Don't, when the ball's on one side of the pitch, do not be stuck out wide on the other side of the pitch. Be in on that back stick. And the game we covered, Barnett, uh, against Wrexham, there was an opportunity, came. And after the game, I said to him, why were you not on the back stick? 
why are you still wide when the ball's on the, on uh, uh, out wide on the other side? And he was like, I was knackered. I was knackered. And I said, be knackered afterwards. Get on the back, do that, bust your gut, get on the back stick, tuck it in, and then be knackered in the corner flag when you celebrate. And Sorry, Mr. Still- McLean. Sorry, Mr. McLean, he said. <laughs> <laughs> but he, do you know what? What I love about him is he wants to learn. He want, you know, He'll call me and he wants to ask questions and he wants to improve. And you can't put that into people. You are, you've either got that or you haven't. And the, predominantly, the players that want to improve and want to want to get better and do better, eventually they will. And I, I look at Idris and I can see him progressing back up, up the divisions and back into the Football League sooner rather than later because he, he has all the attributes. That's a very difficult one to call. Really can't, I can't pick it, Aaron, can you? I mean, they're such canny managers, um, Brennan and, and, and Garrard. I wouldn't like to say he's going to come out on top there. I don't think you can call it. I don't think you can. Our born we're going to be solid and resolute and frustrate Barnet and try and get the, the classic 1-0, which Garrard absolutely loves. Or are Barnet going to turn up? Are Barnet going to be attacking and fluent? And are they going to be able to connect their passes the way that we've seen them do? If they if if they do, then it makes for for one hell of a game. Well, it's going to be a local derby as well, so that'll add more spice to it. Walking they won one nil away at Solihull Moors. Ricky Carboa with the goal there. They missed out on that third position. And Bromley, they drew 1-1 away at Oldham to finish the season off there. So Bromley travel to Woking in what will be an interesting tie. I just quickly want to chat about the newly promoted tie, guys, because three out of four stayed up. Only Maidstone went straight back down. And we talked about the North earlier. Obviously, South Ebsley are really strong. And it seems to be, Aaron, and I know Rob and Joe can come in on this and Dickie, but it seems to be that the teams in the north and south are quite strong that are coming up now because of the full-time. They're able to compete. You look at Gateshead, fantastic end of the season. Dorking, even though they're part-time, they managed to, to pull it round at the end. York, all right, they just about stayed up. But again, full-time, they've had problems off the field, but they've managed to, to stop up. So, fantastic um Fantastic stuff, and, and you feel it could be the same again with potentially Fylde and Ebsfleet staying up, and if Kings Lynn come up there a full-time side, and whoever comes up from the south as well in the playoffs, it, you feel that it's not a gimme that they're all going to go back down, is it? No, definitely not. I think the teams that are coming up now are, are coming up, and they're strong. They're strong, they're competitive. You look you look at Dawkins and look at the amount of goals that Dawkins scored, and listen, defensive... They, They've got one or the other, you know. They yes, they score a lot of goals, but they concede a hell of a lot of goals as well. But they just play their way. They play with a freedom, and they think, do you know what? We've come up into this division, and we're going to do what got us here. And and they stick to their principles. and And I thought they were brilliant. They were the entertainers this year. But all of those teams that that you've just mentioned there that are coming up or that have, have stayed up have all offered something to the national league. They've all come up with. With some, I, they've got an identity already, and I think that's a little bit what we were talking about before with Torquay going down. I think they've lost that with with the amount of players they lost and not really recruited very well. They've lost that. These teams don't have that problem. They're all on the up. I do think Ebbsfleet are going to have to 
spend again. I do think they're going to have to bring in some some younger legs because they have got a little bit of an aging squad. Um, but they have got experience. So if you put legs around it, again, I think that they'll they'll be competitive. And they've got Don Polion who shouldn't be playing at that level anyway. He shouldn't have been playing National League South level. Um, why was was probably down to attitude more than more than ability at every level. The National League is now even better than it was a year, two, three, four years ago, and the the Na- National League North and South is exactly the same. And full time does that. Full time helps you to actually work day in day out with these players. The caliber of players that are prepared to now drop down into the National League and into the National League North and South is higher because it's full time and because of the quality of, of these teams. A word about Gateshead. Um, the the two teams actually Gateshead and Maidenhead. Um, Aaron touched on it earlier that I think it's going to be very very difficult for Maidenhead next year. Um, I know we keep saying every year they'll be fine. Um, but I think they're going to find it very tough, you know, given that we're bringing in four or five real quality teams into the National League again. Um, I think they will lose three or four really good players at Maidenhead. I think they'll lose the goalkeeper, Golay, uh, that was at Peterborough. Um, may have been there when Aaron was there. Um, I think they'll lose Rhys Smith. Um, so that would be tough. And a word for Gateshead, because they, they've been brilliant. Um, I said earlier in the season, actually, when I watched them at Yeovil and they got beat 3-1 against Yeovil. And I said at that time that they will have a very good chance of staying up because even when they were struggling in the game, they still had a confidence to play with the ball and take risks and play in a style of, you know, a, a, a system. And that's got them through the last couple of months. You know, when it's got tough, um, they've got a way of playing. Um, and a, a brand of football that works for them. Um, Mike Williamson done a fantastic job there. Um, we've got our awards next week uh, for the National League on our blog. And Mike Williamson is actually on the shortlist for our Manager of the Year. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job there. And Aaron said there'll be a force next year. I wouldn't put it past them to be that. A quick word on Dawkins. Strong finish from them. Just one defeat in the last nine games. Mark White had to compromise a little bit on his playing style. He had to uh, to be a little bit neater and uh, more efficient, a little bit tighter at the back. But uh, he always said he was sightseeing this season. That's not bad, is it? 57 points and sightseeing. Uh, he'll have a strong idea of what he needs to go again next season. And they finished just 14 points outside the playoffs. So, you know, Aaron, it's been a good first season for Dorkin, isn't it? Um, and, you know, building on an incredible story, really, for, for Dorkin Wanderers. And, and and they now will be working out what they've got to do in recruitment, you know, in order to, to maybe get an extra 14 to 15 to 16 points next season so they can genuinely compete for the playoffs. I wouldn't put it past them. Absolutely. I think that you're, you're right. This season was about making sure that you stay in the division seeing what the division's all about. They've never been there before. So it's seeing what it's all about, what areas do they need to improve on. And it's it's glaringly obvious. Defensively, they need to be better. That's That was the glaring glaring thing about, about Dawkins. But I'm sure they will be. I'm sure they'll bring in the right defenders. They'll bring in some players that have played at this level um, before and that know their way about, know, you know, bring in a, a few leaders. And they don't, they don't need... 
awful lot because attacking wise they're very good they're very fluent and I do think that the artificial pitch is also adds to that I think that helps them as well because they know how to play on it teams find it difficult I've done it myself going and playing against teams on on an artificial pitch and it's it's totally foreign you know especially if teams have got aging players aging players don't want to go and play on that it's no good for their knees. It, it's no good for their mobility. I expect Dorking to to definitely be higher up in the division than they were this year. But they, I really enjoyed watching Dorking. You know, I thought they were they were great value. Quickly as well, Aaron, on the teams going down from League Two, we now know it's going to be Rochdale and Hartlepool. But Hartlepool in that dramatic game. Sorry, Joe, to remind you about that and uh, <laughs> that dramatic game when they won on penalties against Torquay in the playoff final only two years ago they are back in the National League Rochdale they're in the National League for the first time ever in their history and you feel that both sides will find it tough as, as a lot of teams from League 2 are doing now yeah yeah I think they will I think Hartlepool obviously have been here just a couple of years ago so they know what it's all about um, Rochdale back they're in the National League for the first time but they've been flirting with relegation for a while you know so You'd, you'd think that they'd, they'd have already kind of got their head around the fact that but eventually they're going to find themselves there. I think all the teams that come down struggle. You know, it's no surprise that, you know, Notts County have been in there for five years, Wrexham 15 years. You know, you go through all the teams, they've all come down and, and can't, get, can't get out of it. And with that one automatic spot, which... I think everyone's in agreement that that needs changing it sooner rather than later. That with only one automatic spot, it's very, very difficult. And whichever team misses out on, on promotion out of those those playoff candidates are going to be looking and thinking it's going to be another long, long season because this, the league's only getting stronger. And at the moment it doesn't look like that extra place is, is forthcoming Yeah, just a point on, on Hartlepool um, obviously we've seen uh, teams that come down from the EFL uh, finding it tough um, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Hartlepool are you know right at the top next season um, I know it's early to say that but John Aske is a very good manager um, and I also saw mm. that they announced after uh, their relegation from the EFL that the owner is going to give them the same budget as what they're in last time in the National League, plus a third more of that to try and get them out of it. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if Hartlepool are up there under a very good manager. And, you know, even though they had troubles, you wouldn't have perhaps, you know, York may have been up in around the top seven if they'd have stuck with, with Askey this season. Um, I know Rob had him in his predictions for, for the playoffs at the start of the season and I think they would have been at least mid-table with him. So I think Hartlepool will be uh, one of the teams to beat next year. Yeah, and the, the owner's announced that he's leaving so they may well get the investment in in that time if somebody does buy. And, and also a lot of the players who were there were in the National League last time so they do know about it, don't they? Um, and as Dickie's pointed out, parachute payments means... You can get a bigger budget as well. Uh, that'll be interesting. Hartlepool playing York as well next year with John Askey there. Yeah, well, what's the bet in that uh, he gets one team promoted whilst his old team goes down next season? There you go. You heard it for, here first. Yeah, quickly on all the shot, Rob. I know, um, obviously, you want to bypass the game. Not a lot happened. But I know you had a, 
a quick chat with, with Tommy Williamson, didn't you? And, and there were a lot of admiring glances at Tyler Cardner as well, won't there, especially from EFL clubs? Yeah, he won just about everything that he could win at Aldershot this year. He's been outstanding, a really good human being as well. Um, and I asked uh, Tommy Widrington uh, about recruitment and about whether uh, Tyler Cordner will be staying after the game. Recruitment will play a major part over the next, uh, over the coming months. It's something that you've specialised in in the past. I'm sure you'll have your your targets. But looking at who you've got here, I think nine or ten contracted players for for next season. Mm-hmm. Have to mention uh, Tyler Cordner. He's won just about everything. The player of the season for the players, for the fans. He's he, he's he's the man that stepped up and and, and put your side ahead again today, albeit yeah. you know with a deflected goal. He's been picked for England C. He's captain England C. He got man of the match in that game, man of the match in this game. He is contracted for next season. Can you keep him, Tommy? Well, yeah, the answer to that's yes. He's contracted. You just said unless someone throws a hell of a lot of money at it, then they ain't going to go anywhere. So from that point of view, he's our player, and he's something. He's, as a, as an entity, he's something I can really build around. So from that point of view. Listen, I've, you wouldn't believe this, but I've known Tyler since he was about six because he was in the same academy as my one of my sons. So from that point of view, it's, it's a strange one because I, I know, I know, like I said, I know a lot about him. Um, but he should be delighted because I think it's the first season he's not been relegated as a, as a senior footballer. That's a hell of a start. I would just add uh, a point there on Tyler Cordner. Um, obviously, we saw him at the England Sea game. When I talked about earlier about you needing smart recruitment, you know, relegated with Weymouth, you know, Weymouth shipped goals and everyone thought, you know, signing from a team that's been relegated, you know, struggling. And then he's been brilliant for Aldershot. They've now got him under a big contract. Um, so, you know, what a brilliant bit of, bit of recruitment that is from Aldershot. It was. And uh, and while we're on central defenders, you know, that were in poor sides that conceded a lot of goals. Yeah, another little tick in the box. Another bit of kudos for Dean Brennan because you've got to admit, Joe, you questioned at the start of the season, the centre-backs that, that Brennan had signed for Barnet, I think three of them, and they'd all got relegated last year. Um, and they did all right, didn't they, finishing in the top seven? Yeah, yeah, they've done well. Um, and, you know, I actually, in my preview, I actually said that they would struggle playing a three at the back because a mainstay of their back three last year was Modiara, um, who's not quick enough for the National League. Um, but as the season has gone on, he's hardly played. Um, so... Yeah, a, a good season for for Barnet in the end. And Aaron, there'll be, there'll be a lot of players in the, uh, a lot of clubs in the EFL that'll be looking at players in the National League again, won't they? But we normally see quite a high volume moving up and, and I'm sure we'll see that again this summer, won't we? Yeah, I think we always do. I think clubs now are, are very much aware of of the, the pool of talent that, that there is in the National League. You know, managers are always asking me, you know, who's who's been the outstanding players? You know, who are the main players to look out for? And over the years, generally, they, they go. Um, this year, there's, you know, you look at the likes of Dobro and obviously Bennett, who's, who's went to Wrexham and has now been been promoted, was also outstanding. But there's there's so many. There's so many young, young players and given a, a, a great platform to supply their trade. Obviously with BT Sport covering so much of the National League, you know, they're they're all they're visible now. They're all being seen on a regular basis. And I expect, yeah, I expect there to be quite a shift again in, in terms of, of players leaving 
leaving the National League and, and going and, and carving out league careers. What games are you going to be covering for BT Sport in the playoffs just so people can accuse you of being biased? <laughs> I'll be covering every game, so I don't I don't know if there's actually a team at the moment. I think maybe just Barnet are probably the only team that like me at the moment that are in the playoffs. Um, yeah, for some reason I seem to be getting accused of being biased to towards everyone other than the team that they support. Um, <laughs> so you're plumping for, so for Barnet in the playoffs, are you? So <laughs> clearly everyone thinks that I, I'm going to support Barnet. But it, funny enough, I've even had a Barnet fan say that I don't ever say anything good about them. So, yeah, for, I don't think you can win. And I don't think it matters who you work for. If you're not constantly praising their team or their team's not winning, then you're biased towards everyone else. I had a Chesterfield fan pull me at the train station and say, oh, uh, did you say anything good about us for once today? I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure I'm always complimentary about you unless you play rubbish. And then if you play rubbish, I'm going to say you play rubbish. But yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not in this to, to make friends, luckily enough. In this sector that I'm in now, I don't, I don't have any favouritism. You know, there's, there's, whether it's one of my old teams or, or not, I don't have any favouritism. I, I call it as I see it, and some will like it, some won't. But I don't. I, I really don't have any bias. I, I very, very rarely single anyone out um, because I think that there's a way to do it. There, there are the, the pundits that like to single out individuals or single out particular teams. It's not my style, you know. I, I just call it as I see it. And if you don't like it, then don't listen to me. Let's move on and look at the National League South then. And I think the only real pitch there, Joe, was the the relegation side of things. Concord, we heard in our special podcast midweek, they gave themselves a chance, didn't they? But they went into Thursday's game with Haven and Waterlooville. Uh, it was a topsy-turvy game in the end, which ultimately saw Concord relegated on the Thursday before the season end. Yeah, um, really disappointing for them. Obviously, a difficult season. Um, and they gave themselves a chance uh, to stay up, um, but not to be in the end. And, you know, it just really sums up their season, to be honest, that they just uh, dropped short, um, you know, as they did on the final day, 2-0 down. Um, they obviously got a goal back. Not that it meant anything, the game, but uh, they just drop short in, in getting something from that game as well. So, uh, yeah, a, a difficult one um, for them and it's going to be a very difficult summer um, because I wouldn't imagine they're probably in the financial position to be making wholesale change in the summer or investment for that matter. So, uh, a, t- a tough tough summer ahead for them. A dramatic last day as well in the relegation picture, wasn't it? I mean, Weymouth were, did they start the day second bottom and ended up surviving uh, Dover? I think they stayed up on goal difference in the end and ultimately Dulwich Hamlet went down after a 1-0 home defeat to Chippenham. And Weymouth beat Dover as well, which meant Weymouth finished above Dover. Weymouth actually finished 19th in the end. Yeah, Weymouth knew that if they beat Dover, they would stay up. And uh, the form they were in and the form Dover were in, it always looked likely. Perhaps for me, the bigger shock was Dulwich Hamlet not being able to get a win in either of their last two games. As you know, I was there at Champion Hill on Tuesday. Um, and uh, it's really sad to see them go down. I'm I'm a big believer that they should have been competing at the top end of the National League South. And we covered a lot of that on Tuesday's midweek special. If you didn't catch it, listeners, it's it's still out there. Uh, never a dull moment. And, and that was certainly the case, Joe, 
on Saturday, wasn't it? Um, you know, with, with with Dulwich ultimately coming up short. Yeah, um, it was uh, a really disappointing end for them. It certainly wasn't Champion Hill uh, on Saturday um, as they went down from the National League South. Um, a goal for, for Joe Parker, uh, the only goal of the game for Chippenham to get them all three points on the road. And, you know, Hacken Hayretin has had a lot of problems to deal with um, away from football, which we obviously send our best wishes to, as you did in the pod in midweek, uh, obviously with the passing of his his mum. Um, but it has certainly been a pretty rotten season for him, you know, but relegating Maidstone and then getting relegated again with Dulwich. So, um, yeah, but I, I would actually back them to be... Um, Okay, next season. You know, he's a good manager, Hakan Ayretin. He's a good recruiter, um, and I would have, I'd back him to turn turn them around. Just say they've gone down on goal difference, two goals, goal difference to Dover, and they've gone down with forty eight points. And um, you know, just to bring um, pr- uh, briefly bring uh, you in, Aaron, um, forty eight points in a season shouldn't be a relegation total, but I think you know a team that once went down with fifty four points, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and listen, when you're getting those kinds of tallies, you know, I think Torquay have gone down with 48 points as well, haven't they, this season? Um, mm. you'd, you'd expect 48 to be, to be more than, more than enough to, to survive in a division. But it just shows that the leagues are a lot more evenly matched. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot more good teams that are able to pick up points and, you have to continuously progress. Unfortunately for for them, they haven't managed to do that, and they've they've just fallen short. But I think that they'll they'll be well placed to be able to to get back promoted. You talk about the forty eight points. Three teams actually finished on forty eight points. So it went down to goal difference in the end. So just a little point on Weymouth. Obviously, brilliant for them to to be staying in the National League South, and hopefully this is the last time I'll be able to use this gig this season. But Weymouth ris- uh, rose from the ashes. Um, and it was Brad Ash uh, that got the goal. Um, if you'd have put your, man, your money on anybody scoring on the final day, it would have been Brad Ash and Akeem Rose, and they both got a goal to uh, hopefully not sign off their Weymouth careers uh, with a win. But, um, yeah, a really good win for them uh, on, on the final day to make sure that they were safe. And um, both players will be on our, our shortlist for Team of the Year in the National League South. I'm really interested to know what you guys think of the teams that are potentially going to be be going up into the National League though because obviously I'm going to be covering the, the National League South and North Finals um, and I've I've studied the, the North quite a bit just because there's been so much topsy-turvy action going on. The, the South's been fairly quiet but I'm really interested to know who the who the top teams are going to be in that. Aaron, yeah, you kind of we didn't even have a script. We didn't even script that. And uh, yeah, we're going to look at the playoff places. I've just asked Dickie because I know he's the man who's been across the spreadsheets and everything. So there's very little movement actually in the playoffs. Oxford City stayed third. That's Oxford City, Worthing, Chelmsford all on 78 points. And again, goal difference there. Oxford City third. Worthing flew up to fourth place. They leapfrogged Chelmsford because Chelmsford lost at home to 2 1 to Taunton. And uh, Worthing has scored 92 goals. Only Ebsley, who are champions, scored more goals than Worthing. St. Albans and Braintree 
they swap places as well in the playoff places. Who else but Sean Jeffers got on the score sheet. They beat Framber by two goals to nil. Brain two good on the draw, 1-1 at Slough. So nobody really jumped in, did the Joe? A bit. It wasn't anything like the North. It was just a few swapping of places in the actual playoffs. But you mentioned Worthing. I mean, hats off to them. And I think to answer Aaron's question, you're probably looking at maybe Dartford, Oxford City and Worthing. But even though Dartford finished second, they've been pretty inconsistent, haven't they? Yeah, they have been. Um, you know, uh, I think Alan, obviously under Alan Dowson, a manager that's got out of the National League South before having won the playoffs, I think he would have backed himself knowing that they weren't going to win the title. Um, you know, about three quarters of the way through, they pretty much knew that. And I think for them, it was just making sure they came in the top two after that. Um, so they perhaps haven't had the pressure um, of the other, of like the chasing pack beneath them. Um, but as I say, he's a very good manager, Alan Dowson, and he's got a team out of it before. And I would back him to win the playoffs with Dartford. Um, that being said, um, I think it is probably the most open playoffs um, that I've seen in the National League South. And I could probably make a case for all six teams, um, you know, to, as to why they could go up. Uh, you mentioned uh, Worthing. um Pretty much this year's Dorking, uh, but just not quite as good. Um, you know, very, very good going forward. Um, bit bit unorganised defensively, um, but they have the confidence to play. And that, you know, have, given it's their first season in the National League South after promotion uh, last season, uh, Adam Hinchelwood's done a really, really good job there. Obviously, one of his players, uh, Harrison Mayle, goalkeeper, he actually got an England C call up and we saw him obviously in Altrincham. So, yeah, a really talented young side. Um, obviously, Oxford City, um, I backed them to be a mid-table and I got slated by all their fans saying, you don't know what you're on about and we won't finish mid-table. Well, they came third. And they were correct, weren't they, Joe? <laughs> they were correct, yeah. Well, what I've learned this season in the National League South is whoever I back, you can pretty much put your money on them to be down near relegation. Um, you know, I gave Scotty Davis the, the kiss of death at Slough, saying that Slough would be the second best team in the league and they'd be the ones to beat. And uh, they nearly went down. So, yeah, Oxford City, a, a really good job. Um, Ross Jenkins there, another really good attacking coach. Um, and he's taken a couple of players who, from lower leagues, um, implemented a really good brand. Uh, Clyde Lolos for them scored a lot of goals up front. He was at Torquay last season, sort of really struggled, but he's really transformed him this season. Um, and then you've got the three teams below that. Um, of those three teams, I would probably favour St Albans to have the best chance um, because they have got probably the best striker in the division on his day in Sean Jeffers, you know, Every week he seems to score. In a games of this magnitude, you'd probably back him to be a match winner um, in one, possibly two of the games uh, that they've got to play. Um, and yet Chelmsford, obviously, Rob has got sort of a, a, a interest in the Chelmsford camp and uh, they've done a fantastic job um, under Robbie Simpson. I spoke to him a couple of years ago on my, pod, on my, on my blog and, you know, he's done a really good job to do so well on such a small budget. Um, he's had to use a lot of youth players um, and he's been ha he's had to be quite selective around how he complements that. He's brought in the experience of Dave Winfield at the back. He's brought in Liam Trotter in midfield and Simeon Jackson up front. And, 
you know, moulded a very young side around that. Um, but, you know, they've been brilliant and they deservedly in the playoffs. Um, and that brings us on to our last team in Braintree, another manager that's done really well on a low budget. Um, it's almost as if budgets don't really count. Um, and, uh, yeah, a really, really good season for them. Angelo Harrop um, done a really good job after, you know, struggles at the bottom end of the se- uh, table last season. Um, but, yeah, he's done really well there. And um, looking forward to seeing who we potentially will not play next season because um, it's very, very open. Did that help at all, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, so basically anyone can win it, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> just want to add a small point on Chelmsford. Everybody was talking about pre-season, what a mess that club was in off the pitch. Uh, at least two of us, and we'll cover our predictions, pre-season predictions, perhaps when we wrap things up after the playoff final. Um, but at least a couple of us picked Chelmsford to go down. They finished in the playoffs. And not only have they done that, but they've lost really good players along the way. Three or four players have moved up to full-time football during the season. You know, so Robbie Simpson's done absolutely brilliant as a manager. And uh, I'm not surprised he's one of those, Joe, that you've got up for Manager of the Year on your uh, offline, off-the-line blog awards. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, to, to turn that club around so quickly in such a short space of time with, you know, such low budget, um, just goes to show how good a manager he is and how good a coach he is. You know, sometimes we perhaps a little bit critical or hesitant to back ex-players that go straight into management, but he's one that's certainly shown that he is more than capable as a manager at this level. And uh, yeah, really good season for him. And obviously he will be on our, our shortlist for manager of the year. And Braintree, last time they snuck in, they actually won them, didn't they? Uh, and then he went up to the National League. I think nobody gave them a prayer at all, and he managed to go and win the whole thing. So that could be, they could be interested. I think a lot of people will be the ones that, I think Braintree are the ones that will be being written off, won't they, more than anything. So that could work to their advantage in that there's no pressure on them in a way. They've almost achieved, they've overachieved just getting into the playoffs, haven't they? Absolutely. And I, I think that would be the way that I would be billing it if I was Angelo Harrop, saying, you know, you've had a brilliant season. You've overachieved. Now let's go and try and create a little bit more history because even if we fall short in the playoffs, we're still we've still had a fantastic season, and you know we can be so proud of what we've done up until this point. So, I I, I wouldn't back, back against them to be honest. You know, everyone expected them to drop out. You know, everyone said, oh, they will they will fall away, but they haven't. You know, they've stuck in there. Um, they've been really good and. Um, you know, their strong home record has kind of subsided. But, uh, yeah, they, they will be a move a shout. Vicky, just a little elephant in the room in terms of if a couple of the Southern clubs don't go up, because of the teams who've come down from the National League, there might be some rejiggling between North and South, might there, in the summer? I think people are suggesting it's a possibility, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think... you it's it's very hard to to say because there is no sort of like hard and fast border or boundary as to what separates north from south i think sometimes um actual you know access to motorways and things like that can can have some bearing on it in terms of you know looking at teams and traveling etc um, the obvious candidates, if anybody's talking about, you know, anybody, um, you know, moving between the divisions, I think Oxford City, um, a one that's been spoken about. Um, 
Uh, there's playoffs tomorrow, I know, in the divisions, which will have a bearing on it as well in terms of who comes up. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's all in the balance as regards the allocations, probably for at least another two or three weeks yet, which doesn't help teams um in you know we were right on that border and and know that they might shift and you can guess that I might be talking uh, about one of them because I'm at one of them in Telford you know when it comes to we're going down to step three but we don't have any idea whether we're going to be central or whether we're going to be north you've got the same issues potentially if you're Oxford City you know are you going to be north or are you going to be south you can appeal the decision but you know it, how realistic is it that it's going to be changed so um yeah, there's lots of other non-football issues to keep your eye on that, that could have an influence on things. Yeah, and as you mentioned, step three playoffs take place on Bank Holiday Monday, so we'll know a bit more about who is coming up into the north and the south. Joe, um, obviously a lot of results, a lot of games that kind of had nothing really riding on it, but Bath and Taunton, uh, different seasons for them really for different reasons. Yeah, um, and I think one be pleased with the season um certainly for Taunton um I'm really pleased for them you know I've spoken all season about how good a manager Rob Dre is um and what, what a fantastic job he's done at Taunton um low budget uh, there's a theme here um low budget um you know done really well really good at home they've actually really improved away from home this season um it was Lee Lucas midfield uh, midfielder with Samir Fell experience that actually got the winning goal for them um He's pretty much one, uh, in my opinion, I think he's the best midfielder technically in the division in the National League South. Um, he got a goal and they actually beat a playoff contender in Chelmsford uh, yesterday. Uh, so that was a really good win for them. And for Bath, um, a win against another playoff team uh, in Oxford City and with 10 men as well. Um, went a man down and then a goal down. Um, and managed to come back. A goal from Opie Edwards, um, someone I know well as a Torquay fan, and a, a goal from Scott Wilson from the penalty spot just after half time. And they they are one team that I think will be up there next season. Bath, um, you know, they've obviously had a lot to contend with this season, with um, obviously what went on with Alex Fletcher, um, and that's obviously rocked them a little bit. Um, and they've already started building well. They've four or five that they've re-signed. Uh, to new deals, Tom Smith being one of them, which I was really disappointed as, uh, because I really wanted him at Torquay next season. Um, but yeah, uh, a, a good win for both teams there against two playoff contenders. Brilliant. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Been brilliant. And I'm sure we'll see you at. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you at one of the playoff games, whichever one you're at, and, and we'll try to get to as well. Absolutely, I'll be at all of them. So. <laughs> If I can split myself in a million pieces to try and get to a world, then then I'll be all of them. But yeah, I think it's going to be a. They're all going to be entertaining, which is which is brilliant for us. Brill, um, Rob, Dicky, uh, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, pleasure as always. Hopefully, well, I don't know if we get a chance to speak, but I'll, I'll maybe see you at um, at Barnet on Tuesday night, um, and then I hope next weekend. I've, I think I've figured out a way I can get to Oxford City for their National League South semi-final playoff, uh, which would be great because it'll actually be a new ground for me. I've not been to before. Um, Dickie, what about yourself? Where are you going to be uh, positioning yourself this week? Uh, possibly at one of the playoffs at Step 3 tomorrow. 
um, which are Nuneaton versus Rushall Olympic, and then it's Warrington Town versus Bamber Bridge um, are, are the two I'm interested in because they're going into the north. Um, they I've, uh, should be at the Alfreton versus Kinnaminster game on Tuesday. Brackley against Gloucester on Wednesday is a possibility as well. Um, and yeah, whether I'm going to be able to uh, take part in next Sundays, I'm not sure because I'm heading to Chester for their semi-final. That's the plan. So uh, yeah, busy week. Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, just reminders of your blog where people can read it and, and see you on Twitter. Yeah, so off the line blog, um, we put out so much stuff. You'll find it somewhere. Um, so uh, yeah, off the line blog and uh, yeah. We've got our t- uh, season awards out this week uh, in the uh, the National League and well the three National Leagues. Um, so yeah, check it out. Well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us, especially if you stayed with us through the whole pod. Uh, I know there is a lot there, but there's a lot to cover off. As always, uh, give us a follow on Twitter at an L full time. Same on Instagram, and we'll see you all very soon. <laughs>